We want to thank our amazing sponsor, the Rope Drop Queen herself, Michelle McKnight. She's a destination specialist with touring plans and can help you plan an amazing vacation. Whether it's Disney, Universal, a cruise, or an all-inclusive, she can help you with booking, planning, and strategizing to help you have an incredible experience at a great rate. Contact her today at michelle at touringplans.com. Now, on to the show. Helping you navigate the Disney parks. With the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. You're listening to Rope Drop Radio. Welcome to another Rope Drop Radio. Derek and Doug talking all things Disney. And I am excited, Doug. We have an awesome guest, awesome show for this week. But before we begin, uh, we do uh, give a shout out to all of our Patreons. We actually have a couple Patreon shows happening. And uh, I will be in Walt Disney World when this show is released, Doug. Yeah. And Hopefully warmer and sun shining on your face. Uh, I Well, it's we'll get there at nighttime, but it'll be warmer oh. for sure. Okay, for sure. If you're listening to this, go on to social media, follow at Rope Drop Radio, all the things, and you'll see pictures from my wife and I's trip coming up. And then next week we'll have our trip report. Maybe Derek will make our first TikTok. Maybe I doubt it, but maybe okay. but I maybe could. yeah, could I think follow about, us on think TikTok about it. where we do nothing. Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah. we also got to give a shout out to all the people who have left us reviews. So we got a lot of them to get through. Yes, we do. And um, I got another one from Canada. I'm trying to get the uh, the international ones done because I can't see them very long. So thank you, Canada, for all the reviews. This one is titled The Best Disney World Podcast. Ooh, wow. That, that's that like is, high, that's high honor. Wow. It almost makes me a bit nervous. All right. So five stars. There are so many good Disney World podcasts to listen to, but Rope Drop is my favorite Derek and Doug are great hosts who choose relevant topics and guests. It's good information with lots of humor thrown in. There you go. From Becky Burton. Oh, thank you, Becky. Yeah, thank a you. A username I can pronounce. I like it. Yes, thank you to all of our Canadian listeners that we have. We have a lot of. I, I think Canada is ready to start traveling back to Walt Disney World. I think they're really ready for anything. I think we... We I think really everyone all are. Is. Yes. I, I know. Who knows where well, it's going to go in the next couple of You, as a weeks. doctor, actually got your shot this week. I did. I I'm, I'm got my first round earlier in the week uh, of my vaccine. Uh, I got the Moderna one, if anybody's really wondering. Um, for those that don't care, sorry. Uh, so far, the biggest side effect is definitely telling people that you got the shot. Oh, there you go. 100% the biggest side effect. That's funny. Yeah. My arm twitched a little when I got in. The the nurse was like, oh, your arm's twitching. Like, yeah, I can't help that. And then, of course, my wife makes fun of me and other people that I tell. Well, let's but, just uh, hope yeah. that it is the light at the end of the tunnel that Disney Cruise Line, Disneyland, all of Walt Disney World will be open fully soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that is a great place to go to bring on our guest. Yes, Absolutely. So today we welcome back a guest who was last on the show in January of 17th, 2019. So uh, a few things have changed since then, but he is the master of touring plans and the unofficial guide. Welcome to Rope Drop Radio, Mr. Len Testa. How's it going, Derek? Going good. Glad to, yeah, so a few things are different now since uh, you were here. A couple things How How has the uh, unofficial guide and touring plans been in the uh, last year and some change? (laughs) I'm uh, just now finishing up the unofficial guide uh, to Walt Disney World 2021 edition, which tells you how uh, how much change has happened. This year, I had to go through and, and rewrite 
you know, huge chunks of the book. And so we're, uh, we're finishing that up now. It should be out in March. And, that normally uh, it comes out in August or September. August, yeah. So, right? yeah, so yeah, like almost a seven-month delay then, yeah. And then once we get started there, we're, we're probably uh, not going to start revising um, for the 2022 edition until July. So the 2022 edition will be out closer to the end of the year. Yeah, it's crazy. That it is crazy. I, I, yeah, hopefully. I'm not jealous at all. That that just sounds like a lot of work right now. It was a lot, man. It was a lot. I mean, it was like you know there, there were you know fundamental questions like do we keep the section about fast pass in, right? Because there's no fast pass right now, so we decided to keep that in. Um, uh, you know, but like, what do you do with like questions about um, like early entry? We had to waited to figure out was early entry ever coming back. Or dessert parties ever coming back? Because you almost have to. I yeah. need a dessert party. Yeah, I agree. But there's like a lot of space in the book, you know, about stuff like that. And then, you know, of course, this week it's like, oh, well, by the way, there's no more Magical Express. So, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah just just huge news items that we're going to get to. We want to tease yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. We definitely want to keep people on because uh, excited to talk to you about that. Getting that was one big thing. The other thing that we've been doing was on the touring plan side. Uh, you know, now that the parks are at like, you know, 35% capacity, we wanted to make sure that our wait time models um, that sort of underpin everything that we do with the touring plans, we want to make sure those are accurate. So we've been testing one or two touring plans a week, um, every week since the pandemic, uh, ever, ever since the parks reopened. And that's going really well. It's really interesting to see how Disney's measuring wait times at certain rides. So, like, you go to, like, Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, and if uh, the posted wait time, you know, the wait time on the sign, if it says it's, you know, 60 minutes, your wait's going to be about 60 minutes. It's pretty accurate. If you go over to Soren and they say the wait is 60 minutes, your wait's probably going to be, like, 15 minutes. It's that off. <laughs> and it's it's not even consistent park to park or, or within a park. It's very strange. Like, some rides, Disney's just completely lost the ability to accurately estimate wait times and for other things they're doing really really well and uh, it's so we have to model those things individually so a lot of work has gone into that yeah some of the lines are really intimidating right now i'll be when this show comes out i will actually be there so uh but when we went with uh last time with doug it's like i was like oh my gosh that line looks ridiculous but thinking oh there's six to ten feet apart from everybody yeah the lines go quick so it's not as intimidating but that that is good to know that you know, some Millennium Falcon. There, there we go. It is 60 minutes. Baby. Pretty accurate. Well, on our last trip, we had our 15-year-old daughter. She was in charge of doing the lines app to uh, report awesome. the time. That was her job. And she's very type A, so she was very good at it. I appreciate that. We're getting uh, somewhere between 150 and 200 of those a day, which is really helping us figure out the accuracy of the uh, the wait times. But going back to the um, to the socially distant lines, I actually like the socially distant lines because it's like, even if it's a, like Pirates of the Caribbean, right? If you were in a 30 minute line before at Pirates of the Caribbean, pre-pandemic, you were moving like a foot every couple of seconds, right? And it was like, you know, shuff, somebody gets on board, you shuffle up a couple of feet, you know, then you wait a little bit then you shuffle up. But now every time somebody gets on board the a boat, you move ahead six feet. So it feels like you're constantly moving now. And it feels to me like the lines are shorter. I... That I'm in sense. favor of them. Yeah, I'm in favor of the longer lines. Yeah. It's definitely a good psychology report to do oh, there. I right? totally think it is. I totally think it is, yeah. 
I do like people moving are actually further. happier because they think they're going through faster. There is something neat about when it is posted like 45 minutes and you get in through 30, you feel like you won the lottery or yeah. if it's like a walk, like flight of passage. I saw 20 minutes and we walked on though. It takes 20 minutes to get through that queue. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There was a few days like in July when I was back in the, in the parks and there were a couple of instances where it, it was my group and we were the only people we could see in Frontierland. And it was like, this is great, but I hope this never happens again. Like I've, I've seen it once I've lived it. I've got the story. Let's, let's bring more people back to the park. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. What, what capacity do you think we're, we'll be inching towards there? Do you think they're poised to increase it by spring break a little bit? Or do you think they're going to keep it where it's at? Hard to say. <sighs> it's hard to say the, um, the, Disney confirmed uh, earlier this week with the Orlando Sentinel, they're still at 35% capacity. Um, I, it's going to be really difficult for them to get much beyond that in certain parks until a vaccine is widely administered. Like, like at the studios, there's just not that much more to do, right? So yeah. the only thing that uh, bringing more people into the park would do was to make the lines longer. But they're already using, in some cases... You know, the Voyage of the Little Mermaid Theater, they're using that for mm-hmm. um, for line space, for Slinky Dog. They're sort of running out of places. I think the next big thing that we would see before we saw capacity increases would be the return of some stage shows, especially at the uh, studios. Yeah, the studios needs it bad. And we might even see nighttime spectaculars before any of that. Like, of all the things that I think are coming back, I think we'll see nighttime spectaculars first. Um, and I think we might even see, I and mean, if I had wanted to throw out a prediction, we'd see Fantasmic before Harmonious. Ooh, before, that's a good um, prediction. Before uh, Happily Ever After. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose Fantasmic is a lot easier to organize people, right? And well, plus with fewer, distance. Yeah. With fewer, I mean, so the theater holds 10,000 people, right? There's probably, let's say, a 35% capacity. What, what there's like 20, 25,000 people tops in the studio. It's not yeah. even that many. Um, you know, 20,000. So you figure by the end of the day, how many people really are going to be there? How many of them really want to go see Fantasmic? You know, they could they could socially distance and put, you know, 3,000 people in Fantasmic and, and be fine with it, you know? Yeah. That would be, be fantastic. Would, yeah. I know we're hopping away from the studios as soon as we get everything done that we want to get done. It's like, oh, yeah. going, to, going to Epcot, time to drink going around to Epcot, the world. Exactly. And that, so I think they'll, they'll, um, they'll, test, um, they'll test with Fantasmic Harmonious, um, you know, definitely before summer, I would think before summer. They're they're working on it every day. I think Remy, by the way, if Remy isn't open, like, when is when's the show coming out? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I mean, Remy's going to be open within a week. It's gonna It should soft open within a week. Oh, I was, uh, I was kind of hoping I would be a soft open test person when I go down there this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you have a, you have a very decent chance. Ooh, they only so. want to water those bushes out front so long before they go exactly. on back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried that game, uh, Millennium Falcon, like standing by the bushes, like, hey, guys, what's uh, anything? And it didn't happen for me. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. See if my luck can change on this one. Yeah, you have a decent shot, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on to touring plans, which we've been a member uh, subscriber a long time at our <laughs> household and use the Lines app for, I mean, over a decade now. Oh, so the reservation finder. That thing is gold. Thank you. A lot, lot of great tools, but uh, recently um, added a travel arm 
to we did has definitely affected my household so um how did that come <laughs> about and uh how's it going you know we did we didn't start off um uh, intending to open up a travel agency so at the beginning of 2020 so a year ago we were interested in building tools for travel agents so on on touringplans.com thousands or there are there thousands of travel agents who use the site um and we're always interested in you know in solving you know travel problems and so one of the problems that we were interested in was uh was this like if you're a if you're a, a client or you're a travel agent a typical first exchange like for your first trip goes something like this you know, like hi you know i'm interested in in doing my once in a lifetime trip to walt disney world I want to stay at the Grand Floridian, get the deluxe signing plan, and do everything for a week. And so the travel agent goes out and builds a quote, you know, to, to try and figure out how much all of that stuff costs. Um, and that usually takes, you know, we, looking at Disney systems, anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on how complicated it is. And so the, the travel agent will build a quote for that trip. We'll come back and say, it's $10,000. And then the next response from me, the client will be, what do you have at Pop Century? And so the so there are two problems with that, right? Number one is the the hour that the travel agent worked is now completely wasted. Nothing has come from that, right? And and you guys know wasting time is a huge thing for me. Um, the second thing is is it it's also sort of delayed the client's booking and not given them the right the thing that they actually wanted up front. So we were trying to figure out like how do we how do we make it so that we give everybody all of the information they need up front to make the decision that's right for them, right? So if, but if you have a budget in mind, why don't you just say, this is my budget and have some sort of tool figure out like, you know, with all the data that we have from the unofficial guide, like, you know, this is the best op option for you, right? So if you've got, if you say, look, I need a hotel that's under $150 a night right? That's my budget. Okay. Then the question is which value resort is best. We've got hundreds of thousands of surveys on resorts. We could tell you, you know, we could, you know, number one is, you know, pop century. Number two is art of animation and so on. Right. We could, we could do that. Um, so we started looking at tools to do that. And the other thing we were trying to figure out was, you know, with questions of like the dining plan, how do you, um, how do you know whether the dining plan is right for someone? So if we look at our, our user surveys, half the people who get the dining plan say they would get it again, right? So it's basically a coin flip. So we were looking at survey questions that would help us figure out whether to recommend the dining plan to someone. Because again, we're, you know, we're, we're a guidebook, people buy it our book and our website for our advice, right? So if there was a question that we could ask someone where the answer to that question was a good indicator of whether they would like the dining plan, what's that question, right? So we, so we're all, we're trying to figure out all of these things, um, you know, pre-pandemic, the idea being that we would build a process that travel agents would use um, to make everybody's lives, you know, better. And in doing that, I had to talk to a bunch of travel agents right? Because travel agents know what the problems are. They talk to hundreds of people, you know, every day. If there's a problem or a, uh, a choke point or a, a, a place where the Disney processes, you know, don't work, they would know it. So I started talking to them. And then, you know, the pandemic hit um, and uh, no one was booking travel anymore. And in fact, a bunch of 
travel agents that we we knew were you know either getting laid off or about to be laid off or something like that. So um, within the span of, of I would say like two weeks, it went from let's build travel tools to why don't we become a travel agency? The other thing from a revenue perspective is this: the average Disney trip costs people between two thousand and four thousand dollars. Let's say of that two thousand to four thousand dollars, you know, two hundred to four hundred of it is commissionable if you're a travel agent versus $15 we get for a subscription on the site. Mm -hmm. uh, so just in terms of revenue, uh, you know, there's a lot more money to be made on the travel agency side uh, than as a, uh, on a subscription service. So that was the, uh, the other attractive thing. So yeah, it all came together like in the matter of a couple of weeks. In fact, to show you how closely, how, how quickly it came together, um, we had to figure out like how to get licensed in all 50 states as a travel agency after we hired the first travel agent, but before we, get, we, we did booking stuff. So that was, that was a challenge. But um, I mean, the, the, the good news from, from my perspective was the fact that no one was traveling made it easier to hire travel agents. Because if you're a travel agent and you move from one agency to another, there's a chance that you would lose all the commissions that you had booked mm -hmm. when you leave. But the fact that no one's traveling right now means it's easier to move agencies because you're not losing anything or you're losing you know, much less. So for us, um, you know, we were able to hire like 10 very good travel agents. I hear they're the best. They're, they're, so <laughs> one of the things I, uh, I, I talked to, the, in fact, I, I talked to the travel agents today, but um, one of the things that we, we have on the site is, and we've done this for years, we've asked people to rate their travel agents, right? So we've got tens of thousands of surveys on travel agents that people have used. Um, so when it, would, you know, when it came time to sort of figure out who we were going to hire, we had data we could look at to say, okay, you know, these, these people are among the best travel agents according to our own user surveys. Why don't we ask them if they're interested in joining? Um, so that was, you know, that was super, super helpful there. Yeah. So all the travel agents that we have are very, very good at what they do. I, uh, and it's, it's helpful because I don't know anything about running a travel agency. So no, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good at, you know, uh, running at, I'm reasonably good at running the, the touring plan side of things, but, uh, you know, I know nothing about running a travel agency, but we have a net and she's, Doing a fabulous, fabulous job at that. So. I'm good at annoying my travel agent with questions. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because we hired my travel agent too. <laughs> like my, my travel agent, Stephanie Hudson, we hired her. And I was like, see now, Stephanie, it's, it's so much easier for me now to ask you stupid questions about, you know, Royal Caribbean because now you work for me. <laughs> I, can, I can ask you all the questions I want and I feel bad about it. Yeah. See, I have to filter through Doug to get to the travel agent now. So yeah, uh, yeah. Just, uh, is this too dumb of a question to ask Doug? And he's like, yeah, here's the answer. It's like, good. Okay. Thank you. So yeah. okay. well, sometimes you need to, you should ask me like, what mood is she in before I ask this dumb question? Yeah. I got, I got to <laughs> learn that one. Yes. Yeah. So that was uh, that was super interesting. Yeah. So a year ago we had no intention of opening up a travel agency. And then we opened up a travel agency. It's, it was very, it was a strange year for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and thank you. I know a lot of our listeners have booked with you guys, so I want to shout out to all oh, of our listeners you. and patrons who have done that for their trips coming up in uh, 2021, 2022. So uh, I feel like it's it's a good time to book because it's just going to get better and better. Everything's going to open up. Yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah, definitely the time to plan that Disney vacation. Yeah, I think by uh, by summer everything should be you know late summer everything should be sort of. Back to normalish. I would be surprised if Disney still required masks through the end of the year, but yeah. you know we should all be vaccinated by summer. Yeah, GD, I, you see the news about uh, Disney World and Disneyland uh, be vaccine sites. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm all for this. Like, you know, you know, 
they're great at organizing large groups of people. It's perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, here's your line for Seven Doors Mind Train. While you're at it, here's your first COVID shot. You know, just like. Well, yeah. this is funny because uh, one of our patrons is going to be there with us. I'll give a shout out to Elizabeth Lejeune, and she's like, "Hey, don't worry, I'm a doctor. I got both my shots." And I was like, "Well, if you're a doctor, can you give me one of mine on uh, with Slinky?" <laughs> and actually, I said, "Give it to me on Slinky Dog, and we'll call it good." And she's just LOL. But yeah, I'm I'm ready for that. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I'll be really interested. I mean, Disney's really good at organizing large groups of people into lines. So I think that's uh, I think that'll uh, work well. So, yeah, I I got my first one on Monday, so I'm I'm halfway. There. Really? Yep. Yep. Very so uh, how was pretty it? Pretty exciting. Um, the, the biggest side effect is telling people about the fact that you got it, which I just did. So, yeah. There's, OK, there you go. You've yeah, done it twice yeah. on the show. You did it in the opening, yep. too. So there you go. Yep. Um, right. See, it's really a side effect. It's that's awesome. It's true. So, um, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get going once I get that second one. And so it's exciting. So and one thing with the travel agency that a lot of people are really excited about feedback that Michelle has gotten is they really like the free subscription to touring plans. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. That is a, a really nice caveat of booking with touring plans for sure. And uh, is there and there's a bag this year? We I yeah. One of the we things we uh, people like swag. Um, yeah. One of the things we decided to do so was for our first year of booking, um, we have these uh, very cool touring plans backpacks that we customized for the uh, for the uh, for the first year of the agency. And the idea was that. You know, all of the people who like touring plans are sort of type A personalities who are going to get up and rope drop the park. So we we figured we would do something for rope dropping the travel agency as well. So, yeah, Such the bags look really Rope nice. dropping. I love it. Sounds like a great podcast name. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? You know, to rebrand things. That's fine. Yeah. So we got bags. Um, there's a free subscription. We have a ton of tools. Of course, we've got, you know, the hotel room finder reservation stuff. It, it's all it's all pretty good. One of the best conversations I've ever had was with Disney when we opened up the travel agency and like when Michelle came, Michelle came on board, we booked a lot of Disney in a couple of weeks because of Michelle and uh, Alex and a bunch of other agents. Right. So we, we had to have a call with Disney and let me just say, I've been covering Disney for 20 years in that 20 years I've had, and I've counted them exactly zero phone calls official phone calls with anyone from Disney about anything. They just don't talk to us, right? I, I can email people all the time, but in terms of phone calls, I've had none. So um, we had a phone call back in November with Disney on the travel side. And their, their question to us was, what is touring plans? Which was really funny to me. Cause like they'd heard about it, but they didn't know like what we did as a site. So we, you know, so I did, a, I actually came up with a presentation for them and I walked through it. It was like, you know, this is how many people we have. These are the tools. And so I went over each of the tools um, that we have. So I did the touring plans. I did the crowd calendar. Um, I did the, uh, I did the hotel room views. And of, of all the things, the hotel room view thing was the thing that sort of blew their mind. Like they had never seen it before. Um, and the idea that someone would go through and take photographs of, you know, the view you get from 35,000 hotel rooms or whatever it is, it was something that it took them a while to wrap their heads around. I mean, everyone was super nice, but I don't think they, um, it was definitely their first introduction to the tools that we, that we've built and that people really like. So but that was a, uh, that was fun. It was a lot of fun. Love the cool. yeah. site. So, so many great things. Thank you. Um, I think we got to get into the news though, guys. There's a lot of it. 
There's a couple big announcements. Stuff has happened. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and by the time the show comes out, more stuff could happen. I hope not at this point. But uh, first off, the big thing, uh, Magical Express is going away next year. And uh, yeah. I hope Disney has something as a backup plan because uh, as a parent with young children, I love the Magical Express. That's And, and I know it's mirrors, but man, that, that was a hard one to see. And Diz Twitter definitely had a field day with that one yesterday. It, it, uh, apparently it was a surprise to mirrors too. So apparently they That's said something crazy. about like, uh, we didn't know that this was happening. I think a couple of things. One, um, it's, it's entirely about saving money. I think the original purpose for magical express, which we all know was to get people to stay on site. Right. So, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, if you got dropped off at your Disney hotel, you were probably not likely to call a cab to go, somewhere else off site. But with the advent of ride sharing services like Uber and Lyft, where everyone can just summon a car using an app, you know, and you have things like ratings of the, of the drivers and things like that. Plus it's also a lot cheaper than using a cab. It's easier for people to go off site. And so I think what Disney realized was that more and more magical express wasn't preventing people from going off site. All it was doing was Disney was subsidizing people's transportation from the airport to the hotel and back, right? Uh, so they're getting less benefit at the same or, or increased cost. So I think that's one of the reasons why um, it's going away. The, 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 the cost to reward, the cost benefit for Disney isn't, isn't what it used to be. I think the, um, the other thing is that Disney might have, and I don't know if this is true, but in the contract with Mears, Disney might have provided a guaranteed minimum amount of revenue, right? Um, and if we're, if they're not seeing that, right, if there's, if hotel capacity is going to be at 35% and they guaranteed revenue equal to, you know, 50%, um, they're just losing money at that point. So I think they, they, uh, they see that. I do think Disney's going to bring something back as a paid service though. It's just too convenient for like 40% of the people who, 40% of our readers use it consistently. And I think that's too big of a market for Disney to give up. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of paid option coming back. Not bringing a car seat to Disney is one of the reasons why we go multiple times a year. I've noticed. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and what if you got, we get two kids with two car seats, right? And then you've got, you know, four pieces of luggage. If you're staying for 10 days, like where are you going to put all that? That's yeah. Not fun. No. And I know a lot of people think that the train is going to replace magical. I'm like, have you ever taken a train with children and luggage? And that doesn't go to the door of your resort. That's well, yeah. So, yeah that's, that's not that's the same. Help. Yeah, no. Number one, is the train's not going to be not until 2023, apparently, Brightline announced today. Number two, it's only going to go to Disney Springs. How do you get from Disney Springs to your hotel? Then you're calling an Uber. Well, at that point, why take the train? Just take the Uber, yep. right? Um, because Disney buses are not going to allow you to bring in child seats and luggage and stuff like that, unless Disney set up Disney Springs as a hub with buses. But then at that, at that point, then, the then cost you is still back, get, right? Yeah, then you, exactly. Then, you've, then you know, where, where in Disney Springs do you put them? Why, why make an extra stop? It's just, it's all too much. So I think, I think Disney will end up with a, um, with a paid service. Yeah. Similar to like what's at Disneyland. Yeah, right. exactly. Like the Kinda. Disneyland shuttle. Yeah. 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 Same thing. So, yeah. All right. And the other big news was extra magic hours, uh, changing the name, changing the offering. It's every park. Why the change do you think? And how do you think it's going to affect crowd flow? Well, so the interesting thing about, if you're an on-site guest, it uh, the the big advantage is you don't have to pick which park to go to every morning because 
you can go to all of them, right? So in terms of yeah. crowd effects, it gets rid of the early uh, extra morning uh, hour, extra morning extra magic hour bump, right? Because now every mm-hmm. park's gonna have the same thing. Um, so that should that should sort of smooth things out. Remember when uh, Galaxy's Edge opened and Disney did uh, like extra extra magic hours at every park every day mm-hmm. to sort of like pull people away from the studios. That um, it's gonna be something like that. So we have some data on that. Um, if you're an offsite guest, though, that's here's the problem. If you're an offsite guest, right? If you're an offsite guest and you knew the extra magic hour schedule, right? Let's say today was Magic Kingdom, right? You knew not to go to the Magic Kingdom today because if you went to the Magic Kingdom today, there'd be thousands of people in line ahead of you, right? Because they got there an hour beforehand. But with this new thing now, no matter which park you go to as an offsite guest, you're automatically 30 minutes behind everyone who uh, stayed at Disney Hotel. So that's a huge incentive to book a Disney hotel, right? So even without um, even without uh, Magical Express, even without FastPass, right? The idea that you know Remy's going to open, open, and Guardians is going to open, and the Tron is going to open, and you're going to be half an hour behind thousands of people in line ahead of you if you don't book a Disney hotel. That's going to be a huge incentive, I think, for Disney. Yeah, I think Twitter had the opposite idea as if there's no more advantage to staying on property. I don't know how many times I saw that, but it's like if it's every park every day, you can't avoid being behind the crowd. Now. Yeah, it means you have to get up a uh, half an hour earlier. That's the uh, the one downside. The big question for me was how Disney's going to enforce that with offsite guests. So let's say I'm an offsite guest, right, and I get dropped off by Uber at the Contemporary and walk over to the Magic Kingdom, right? Is the cast member at the top style at the Magic Kingdom really going to hold me until 9 a.m.? First of all, where am I going to stand? And if there are hundreds of us or thousands of us, where are we going to stand, you know, to uh, while the park officially opens? My sense is they'll let people in early, right? Just because it, from a management perspective, it's going to be difficult not to do it. So... That's my first big question. Like, are we really going to enforce this strictly um, so that we so that onsite guests get that maximum benefit, or are they not? And so that that's a TBD. Um, the other thing too is, is it really going to be thirty minutes? Because right now, the studios over the holidays was opening almost an hour mm-hmm. beforehand. So is thirty minutes really thirty minutes, or is thirty minutes like forty five minutes? Because if it's forty five minutes, that's an even bigger advantage assuming it's enforced. So a lot of big questions on that yet. But uh, my, uh, by the way, my new phrase for this is um, um, extra magic minutes. <laughs> no, I so like it. Extra magic hours, extra magic minutes. Now, that's where rope dropping is going to come even more important now, yeah. getting in front of the, uh, yeah. everyone else. So, yeah. Also, we, uh, we, <laughs> we updated our app, too, to take advantage of this. So we um, normally the way that our, our Lines app works is um, – you can submit wait times and you can optimize your touring plan and stuff like that once the park officially opens. But obviously, we know that the parks are opening before that. So we've just put features in place to um, to allow you to optimize the touring plans, uh, enter ride times, and basically have the app work literally as soon as the park opens, as soon as the first guest sets foot in the uh, park. And the difficult thing with that was even if the park opens early, my Disney experience doesn't start showing wait times mm-hmm. until official opening. So if the Magic Kingdom's official opening is 9, park opens at 8.15, MDE won't show you anything until 9 o'clock. So for that first 45 minutes the park is open, it's sort of 
the app uh, MDE doesn't really give you any information. So we had to figure out how to work around that. Like, like how do you know the park is open if there's no official indication that the park's open? So we worked. We we came up with a way around that. It's in the app. Should be out this week. Too. Super oh, it's awesome. I, it's kind of like the Wild West. I'm realizing 30 minutes before park open, you have no idea if it's going to open. What's open? It's it's been great. So we were we were testing touring plans um, the week before Christmas in the Magic Kingdom, and the park was open 50 minutes before official opening. So we're like, okay, you know, 50 minutes we can get you know, we can get three rides in in 50 minutes, right? So we my sister and I were, were testing two different touring plans and I had, she had to go to Buzz Lightyear first. And I think I had to go to Peter Pan. Um, so we both went over there and of course, none of those rides were opening. So we asked cast members what rides are opening. And they're like, I'm not sure. Like, how are, how are you not sure? Can you find someone that works here? <laughs> that tells me, can tell me like what run, but Space Mountain wasn't open. Peter Pan wasn't open. So the only thing that was open was Seven Doors Mine Train. All right. So there's no line, you know, 50 minutes before the parks open. I think we were on and off in nine minutes, right? But now it's like 8.20, nothing else is open in the park. Pan's not open. Like, what do you do? So we started walking around trying to find rides that are open. So I went to Pan, I went to Small World, Haunted Mansion wasn't open. Like there's no way, you know, there's no way Splash is open. There's no way Big Thunder is open. Um, so I walked over and Pirates for some reason was open. <laughs> so, I, so I rode Pirates and then I got off Pirates and by then it was like 8.45 and you know, Haunted Mansion was open. So I got, yeah, I got my three rides in before official park opening, but it was like everywhere I went, I was like, hey, can you tell me what rides are open? And they're like, you know, I think Pirates is open, but I was over at Haunted Mansion. So I might, you know, so I had to walk over there. And if it wasn't open, like then what? So, so we, we, we had to figure out ways to, to programmatically detect that stuff. It was very interesting. And there's always Swiss Family Robinson. Yep. Yeah, the tree, right? If, Just... if Frontier Shooter Kid was open, I would have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, done would have done that so yeah so it turns out um like the the most reliable rides to be open are uh and this is good reader advice or listener advice um seven Rose mind train peter pan pirates and buzz Lightyear. Okay. that's really good to know that's like our uh, morning we recently had at animal kingdom like flight of passage was the only thing open we got off of it and we're like oh the safari doesn't open for 45 minutes Everest didn't open for 15 more minutes, so they just stood and waited for Everest. Yep. It's bizarre. Which is weird with this time of the pandemic where you don't want people waiting in lines. You want to get people at least in through the attractions. Right. In and out. In and out. Yeah. Stagger openings and stuff like that. It is just, it is a very unique time. I actually highly recommend, uh, one of the reasons why I'm taking my wife when this show comes out is because she hasn't experienced it yet. And so I, I, if you're a huge Disney fanatic, it's definitely a, a unique time to go. And I think everyone should hopefully experience this once and be done with it. Cause yeah, I want to get yeah. back to a more of a normal Disney without plexiglass everywhere. And what, whatever that is on the jungle cruise, you can't even see the skipper at this point, but, uh, <laughs> yes, just, uh, yeah, I hope get back to normal, but experience this once guys. Yeah, the, uh, the wait times that you're seeing right now are, uh, are historical, historically low. Like you'll never see them again in the normal. Oh yeah. You, you have time. one yeah. and twos on your, on your crowds. It's just, yeah. Crowd calendar, yeah. Yeah. I mean the, uh, over Christmas, when Seven Doors Mine Train should have been a 200-minute wait, you know, Disney was posting, you know, 90 to 120 minutes, so basically half. And even then, it wasn't it wasn't even that it, uh, actual wait. So, 
Yeah, people kept asking, like, what are the crowds like over Christmas? And I was like, well, I could lay down between uh, Small World and Peter Pan yeah. and not get stepped on. So that's unusual for any time of the year. Um, yeah. One other news question here. Um, when do you think the monorail to Epcot's coming back? I would be surprised if it came back before summer. I mean, Disney's, Disney's not really going to... Number one, do they? I mean, first question, do they have enough people to actually run the monorails? Like, are there enough employees who are actually employed right now who can run the monorails for all the shifts that need to be run? And do we have maintenance people for it and things like that? I, you know, my guess is that that's a cost cutting thing. So you're unlikely to see that before, you know, summer. And frankly, you know, at 35% capacity, how many people would take it yeah. from yeah. the Magic Kingdom, from the TTC, right? There's not that many people that would that would need to take it from the TTC. So yeah, I, I, summer maybe fall. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was a, a question I had gotten, so I thought I'd throw it out there. And uh, you know, it would be mostly what people staying at the Contemporary Grand Floridian that take it because they feel like I paid to be on the monorail loop. Yeah. I need the monorail, yeah, Polly's right? Not, yeah, but Polly's not. Polly's really not doing anything. Right now, yeah. So yeah. When we were at the Contemporary, like we never had to wait for an elevator really yeah, at the right. contemporary like that that's strange like, that's weird like normally yeah. you're waiting on elevators and like you kind of if somebody gets off on that fourth floor you're kind of like oh there was escalators you could have taken you know it yeah. never christmas day we're just free range of the elevators so yeah the monorail is probably not and the people that complained about how busy it looked on twitter i was like have you ever seen a normal christmas at Walt <laughs> disney world <laughs> It, uh, it's definitely nothing like that. Yeah, I mean the wait times have been really, really low. I will say too, like some of the best meals that I've had uh, on property have been in the last six months. Like oh, any any recommendations? Because not yeah. a lot of things are speaking, open right now. Speaking of meals, what what are some of your recommendations like out recently with their current menus and that sort of thing? So all all the menus are really, really cut down. The thing that I keep going back to is the fried chicken at the Grand Floridian Cafe, which is some of the best fried chicken I've ever had. First of all, the fried chicken is like the size of the entire plate. It's a chicken breast that's pounded, uh, butterflied and pounded and then fried. And it takes up the entire plate and it is delicious. So my first question when I, when I saw, the fr- uh, saw it the first time was like, is this really chicken? Like it's not turkey? You guys didn't fry <laughs> turkey breast? Um, and then how did you catch it? Those are my first two questions. <laughs> Um, but it was amazing. I mean, just uh, super flavorful there. Um, they were the, when I was there, the three or four times I've been there now, they've been experimenting with different kinds of breading on the chicken. Mm-hmm. So one time it was just a traditional sort of like fried chicken, you know, breading. The next time they did cornflake mm-hmm. breading. One time they tried potato chip. Uh, it was just, it's, it's all super tasty. And they, um, they always do it over, um, mashed potatoes with gravy mm-hmm. and with, um, uh, like spinach or a green, with a little bit of uh, vinegar dressing on it. It is all it all works really really well. Fried food and sour food work together really well. That's delicious. I think the Wave is doing really good dinners um, as well. When, when, I, when I was at the Wave, there were exactly 3 people in the in the dining room. Well, that's good social distancing right there. Yeah, I mean we, we, we were all like, you know, one person was in the middle, I was on one end and another person was over in, in the side, but the you know the thing that I, I told people was, you know that the chef back there is giving whatever you ordered personalized attention because they're not trying to juggle like you know thirty plates of food or whatever. They don't have sixteen things on the stove at once. So 
everything that I had, it was, I, had I had pork tenderloin medallions um, with a uh, smoked cheese, uh, cheddar cheese grits, mm. which were amazing. Um, everything came out perfect. And it was because they, they had the a time to give uh, you know each dinner attention. It's been some fantastic food. Also, the one place where, where it didn't work out was um, Be Our Guest. <laughs> so opening day, like July 11th, we go back to Be Our Guest. And did you guys know how they, um, how they brought back servers mm-hmm. at the Magic yeah. Kingdom? Yep. Yeah. So they brought them back by seniority, which means if you were at Crystal Palace, but you had been at Disney World 40 years, and you're number one on the list, you got a call. And if you said, yeah, I want to come back to work, they would tell you where you're going to go to work because Crystal Palace, obviously, not open. So that's exactly what happened to our server. She had been at Crystal Palace for 41 years serving buffets. And this was her first day at Be Our Guest. So she comes in, takes our drink orders, brings back our drinks, and we don't see her for half an hour. And she comes, we see her walking by. We're like, hey, we'd like to order now. And she's like, yeah, I haven't taken an actual food order in 40 years. I forgot. <laughs> I completely forgot I had to do that. And we were all like, look, we're all getting through this together, right? Yep. Like, we're all gonna we're all gonna figure this out. Yeah. So she she had to remember how to take like a dessert order and to, to come back and check on food and stuff like that. And that was that was definitely it. So the the lunch took us two and a half hours to get through a lunch. Because you know she had to figure out the menu and how things worked, and we didn't know anything that was going on, and uh, yeah, but that was uh, that was an experience too. It was it was definitely longer than I wanted, but when she said, "Yeah, you know, I haven't, I haven't taken a food order in four years," I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is gonna be a story. Yeah. <laughs> All right, good thing I have an ADR there for uh, when this show comes out. So we'll have to, yeah. hopefully it goes a little see bit see if faster. it's changed. Yep, we'll you find out. Lunch or dinner? Lunch. Yeah. Okay. Just go in and order everything at once because it's. I mean, it could be it could be time consuming there. Yeah. All right. Well, Len, that is all the questions that we have for you. Uh, thank awesome. you so much for being on the show. Can you take a minute and tell people where to find you? Sure. Uh, I am Len at touringplans.com. I also do this uh, podcast called the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It comes out Mondays, and you can find it at uh, DisneyDish.bandcamp.com. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for spending time uh, with us at Rope Drop Radio. Awesome. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Thank you. you. Well, thanks for listening today. Today, we got to thank our sponsors. First off is Joe from BackToTheMouse.com. Great web resource to see average daily price of cruises. At some point, we will be able to cruise again. And when it is time, you better already have it booked because once they announce it's time to go, those prices are not going to stay the same, I don't think. So look ahead. He uh, takes DCL. He has fancy coding because he's a genius. I don't understand it. It's computery, and it scrapes the prices, tells you what it costs per day, and he does it for a different, couple different cabin configurations and number of people. So it's really cool to look out. So check out backtothemouse.com, also great trip reports and stateroom reviews. And when you want to book a trip, whether it be to Walt Disney World or whenever those cruises open again, uh, you got to book that with Michelle McKnight from Touring Plans. Her email and information is in the show notes. 
and she will definitely give you all the info you need to book an amazing vacation. And I know this is a great time to book uh, because I think when everything goes back up, I'm I'm now understanding, Doug, talking to my extroverted daughter, why the Roaring Twenties happened after the Spanish flu. I think there's going to be mm-hmm. so much traveling uh, late 2021 and all of 2022 that you're going to want to at least get in on her Facebook page or email list for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Do it now. Do it now. All right. Well, I will be at Walt Disney World when this comes out. So follow us on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Rope Drop Radio. Uh, Look forward to my trip report next week. But I got to go pack. So thank you for listening. For Len and Doug, I'm Derek. This has been Rope Drop Radio.